Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, one and all, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show as we get ready for Thanksgiving 2009. I'm Marie Hewlett, and as always, I'm thankful that you've included the Pet Place in your early morning listening routine. Today, Donna Lewis from LostMyDoggy.com will be providing the details on her company, which helps reunite pet owners with their lost pets. Later in the show, Lisa Trost, the dog listener, will be doing a little more talking and a little less listening than she normally does, but she has some really fascinating stuff to share. So don't touch that dial. Some great talk is just ahead here on the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now is Donna Lewis from LostMyDoggy.com. Welcome to the Pet Place, Donna. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. LostMyDoggy.com. Now, if uh, if I'm using my special uh, extrasensory perception, I think I'm getting the idea that you have a service where you find lost animals. <laughs> yes, we do. That's what we are. We're a lost pet recovery service, and we help people all across the United States find their lost pets. All across the United States? Mm-hmm. Wow. So how do you do that? Are, you're not just your local? Well, we're based in Irvine, but it's a nationwide service. Okay. Um, it's a web-based service, and so people sign up um, through lostmydoggy.com on the Internet. And um, what we do is it's kind of like an amber alert for lost pets. Oh. Um, we use a uh, an automated telephone uh, calling system to call all the neighbors in a given area um, to well, let them know. How do you know. get those phone numbers? We have access to a database of over 210 million listed landlines in the United States. Wow. It's awesome. Okay, so give me an example of what the phone message might say. Okay, it would say um, uh, if you lost your Chihuahua uh, brownie, let's Mm -hmm. say. It would would say something like, um, this is a lost pet alert. Your neighbor Marie lost her uh, her Chihuahua brownie on November 11th. Uh, Brownie is a small uh, black and tan chihuahua, and if you've seen him, please call, and then I would give your name and phone number uh, and also our website information. Okay. And um, people will will call either us or the owner and let them know if they've seen their pet. Oh, wow. Now, in the interest of security, I imagine that you have a feature where if somebody doesn't want to give their actual home phone number, that they can provide some other number? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Sometimes it will just be our, uh, we have an 800 number, 877 okay. number, okay. Uh, and we can certainly use that. 
Um, many times people will use their cell phone mm -hmm. as their contact number, okay. uh, especially because they're usually out and about all over the place looking for the pets, you okay. know, rather than staying home waiting for calls. Now, on the website, too, would you then post a picture of the last pet? Yes, absolutely. We always ask the customer to uh, to post a picture, to upload a picture for us, and it's posted right there on our website. That is amazing. I'm, I'm especially intrigued by the automated calling. How far of a, an area would you cover? Um, a mile, two miles, five miles? It's pretty much as far as we need to. Um, what we do is we use the missing address as the center of the radius for the broadcast. Okay. And uh, if we need to call 5,000 neighbors, for example, we may need to go out five, six, seven, ten miles depending on what area of the country it's in, mm -hmm. in order to get at least 5,000 uh, good numbers okay. uh, to call and, and notify all those neighbors. So the, the radius um, varies with every single order. I imagine the key to success here would be to have the phone calls made almost as soon as the pet goes missing. The sooner the better, absolutely. Um, but, you know, we've had um, tremendous success even when people... Uh, don't know about the service, and they find us a week later. Oh. Uh, we've had um, dogs, cats, uh, birds, ferrets, who are found uh, days or even weeks after they were lost once we place an alert uh, because neighbors, you know, all over the area uh, can say, well, I saw that pet. And yeah. so there, the sightings occur, and uh, either that neighbor will know where the pet is or they will let the owners know that they were in that area and to go post your flyers there. Wow, that sounds incredible. You, you must have some wonderful success stories. Is, is there any chance I could get you to share a couple? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, there are hundreds of them, and I, I live for them, actually. Um, probably one of my favorites is Tucker. A, uh, Tucker is a, um, a boxer, a beautiful female boxer in North Carolina. Hmm. And Tucker actually had been stolen out of her front yard when oh. the owners went to dinner. And obviously they came home and they were absolutely devastated, mm -hmm. as people always are when they lose a pet. And um, the next day they found our website and they placed an order and we did the alert right away. Um, and within an hour they received a phone call from a woman who had been driving down the highway, and she saw a dog along the highway. This was in a, a rural area in North Carolina. Okay. Um, she saw a dog fitting Tucker's description along the highway, and she called the owners when she got home um, because she got our, when she received our alert, and it was on her answering machine. Oh. She, unfortunately, she said she didn't stop because she had all her kids in the car, and she was afraid to stop along That's the highway. Yeah, sure is. Mm -hmm. But she was so excited when she got home to get the alert and to be able to call the people and say, "I think I saw your dog," and she described for them the area of the highway where she was pretty sure it was. You know, I guess mm -hmm. in areas like that, you kind of go by mile markers. Sure. So um, she was able to describe the, the general area where, where she saw Tucker. And um, Gary, the owner, went out there. Um, he drove up and down the highway. He couldn't find Tucker. Oh. So he stopped, and he was calling for her. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes when dogs are lost, they're scared. And yes. even if you call for them, they're not always going to come. Mm -hmm. So he got out of his car, and he went into the woods 
and looked for her, and he found an old abandoned trailer. And he called for her, and all of a sudden, there her little head popped out of the trailer, and she saw him, and she came running when he called her. I mean, it still brings tears to my It was really just one of the most wonderful um, stories, and they were so, it was such a a beautiful way for them to be reunited. It is. Oh, my goodness. Now, how did they figure she was stolen from the yard rather than just jump the fence? Um, I that I actually don't know. Okay. When they when they tell us that a dog is missing, they usually let us know the circumstances. Okay. Um, you know, if a dog is able to dig out and get under um, under a fence, then we know that the the dog got out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know the circumstances in that case, but they um, absolutely believed that she was stolen. Okay. And the fact that she was found so many miles away from home and mm-hmm. in an abandoned trailer in the woods, yeah. kind of kind of uh, verifies that a little bit. Okay, okay. On your website, do you provide tips also to make sure that your pets don't accidentally get lost? Oh, absolutely. We have a whole section of lost pet tips for how to find them and also how to keep them safe to to try to keep them from getting lost. How to prevent it in the first place. Fabulous. I was wondering about that. How long have you been doing this now? Um, I've been doing it for about six months. Um, okay. The website actually was launched uh, only last February. Okay. Um, and it's just been amazingly successful. Just so many wonderful stories of animals being reunited with their owners. How did you get involved in the first place? I was lucky. I was very, very lucky because of my um, uh, my own background is that I've been in animal rescue for over 25 years. Okay. and. Um, and I worked um, uh, as a volunteer with the Orange County Animal Shelter and, and other shelters and groups. And so I was just led into that position through a referral. Uh, the the gentleman who started the uh, LostMyDoggy.com needed help, and uh-huh. I was the lucky one. Wow. How much does a service like this cost? Uh, it depends on the package that a person would purchase. Uh, for 250 neighbors, it's uh, $75.00. And for 5,000 neighbors, it's $475. Okay. So there are all the variables in between. There are seven different packages. And and what is your success rate, roughly? Um, it's it's usually between um, 65 and 70%. Um, so uh, generally, we find two out of three pets across two the country. Two out of three? Yeah. Wow, that's fabulous. And cats also. Oh, cats, birds, ferrets. Um, you know, lots of dogs and cats, hundreds and hundreds of dogs and cats. Let me hear a cat story. Oh, okay. Um, well, let's see, another one of my favorite stories there. That would be one from right here in Southern California. Um, we had a cat in Burbank, um, and his name was is Loverboy. Loverboy was missing for six days, and um, his owners were absolutely frantic, a, a mother and a daughter, uh, they did everything that people do, you know, going to the shelters and putting up flyers and ads on Craigslist and everything that, you know, you try to do. And um, they were then referred to LostMyDoggy.com, and we put out an alert for them. Um, within an hour, it was the same thing. It was so amazing. She said that she had several calls with sightings of her cat, and then the call that she ca- had prayed for came in from a gentleman a few blocks away who said, I think I see your cat in my yard. Wow. And she went. They got they got Loverboy. Um, Loverboy is a very beautiful um, gray, black, and white domestic short hair that oh, wow. actually was a gift to them 
from Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mm. And so that's why they called him Loverboy after mm-hmm. her. And so they, it was especially meaningful to them that he had been a gift and they just loved him so much. Oh, that's so, so sweet. So he was reunited with them. Wow. So even though it's lostmydoggy.com, you do dogs, cats, ferrets, rabbits. Yes, birds, turtles. Snake? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I guess we would do a snake. If, uh, yes, we have not had uh, an alert yet for a snake, but if somebody wanted us to do one, we absolutely would. I wonder what kind of feedback you'd get from this when you uh, sent out 5,000 calls. We have a snake loose in your neighborhood. That might set off a little bit of a panic. Yes, it might. A 12-foot alligator. <laughs> Nothing like that yet so far. No, not yet. Okay, okay, that's good. Well, let me just ask you one last question. If somebody has lost their pet and they're absolutely feeling hopeless at this point, maybe it's been a couple of weeks, what's your advice? Um, There are so many things you can do. First of all, after a couple of weeks, I would never feel hopeless. We've found dogs that that have been gone a month, um, five and a half weeks, six weeks. Uh, I would never feel hopeless. Um, The first thing, the the most important thing to do is to get the word out right away. Placing an alert with LostMyDoggy.com would be a fabulous thing to do. Um, Making sure that they post flyers everywhere. Uh, remembering that dogs can run several miles, so to post the flyers In a very short out, amount of time. That's too. right. Depending mm-hmm. on the dog, they certainly can. Mm-hmm. Um, they should put um, use all the free services that are available to them. Uh, we have a free lost and found posting on our website under our groups section. Um, they should also put ads on um, Craigslist. And check all the animal shelters, too, not just their most local, but even go a little further out than what their local shelter is. Absolutely. They should check the animal shelters probably every day or two Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and use all the the web services that are available as well, Pet Finder and Pet Harbor and Craigslist. Excellent, excellent information. Donna, we're just about out of time, but I wanted to thank you for telling us all about the service, LostMyDoggy.com, for every pet, not just doggies. I think it's great, and you're doing a fabulous job. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all that you do for animals, too. Oh, thank you. Well, it's time now for our halftime break, but when we return, Lisa Trost, the dog listener, will be checking in and explaining exactly what dog listening is. So don't go away, and we'll get started momentarily right here on Retro 1260. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and here with me now is Lisa Trost, the dog listener. Welcome to the Pet Place, Lisa. Hi, thank you. The dog listener. Now, did you come up with that before or after the dog whisperer? It actually came up before the dog whisperer. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a, <laughs> a method that was developed by a woman named Jan Fennell over okay. in the UK, who... Um, actually had witnessed Monty Roberts, who works with horses, mm-hmm. um, do his work. They made a movie called The Horse Whisperer about mm-hmm. him, but he originally called himself The Horse Listener. Mm-hmm. So Jan and Monty, Monty got to be friends. She watched his work and, and said, you know, if that's possible with horses, it's got to be possible with dogs to be able to communicate sure. in their language. Mm-hmm. Um, so she called it the The Dog Listener, and then, of course, Dog Whisperer came along. and Okay. Yeah. So you guys are in competition. <laughs> no, two okay. totally different things. Oh, 
Okay. Well, yeah. let's hear all about the, the differences. What is dog listening? Mm-hmm. Well, um, like I said, it was started by Jan Fennell, who mm-hmm. um, spent a lot of time out in the wild studying wolves and in particular watched how the, um, the alpha wolf communicates to the rest of the pack that it's the leader, it's the decision maker. And what she found is um, a lot of the things that we think, that humans think are communicating to our dogs that we're the leader in our dog's language are actually saying the opposite. Mm. So, like what? Um, well, uh, let me, I'll go through that in a minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll describe a little bit more. Um, what ends up happening is, um, you know, our dogs being descended from wolves and being pack animals um, know there has to be a leader, and they see us behaving in a way that that says we're not the leader. Mm-hmm. So they assume they're going to have to do it, right. and you know, and it's, that's it's, a little bit stressful for them too. It's to incredibly take up that exactly, exactly, and and it's actually the case in the wild. I mean, most wolves don't want to be the alpha necessarily. Sure, it's a huge responsibility. Exactly. So the, our dogs will take on reluctantly the job, but you know, instinctively know, they know that there has to be a leader or the pack won't survive. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening, I mean, our dogs will, will do any job that they're given to the best of their ability. And in doing their job as a leader, the behaviors that, that they use to do that are the ones that we consider problem behaviors. Oh. So they're problems to us. They're just them doing their job. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, it can also just run the spectrum up to um, just complete overwhelming meltdown stress with dogs when they get into like obsessive behaviors and and that kind of thing. Um, So what I do is I teach people their language so that humans can take the leadership job back, which removes the stress from the dog, changes the the job description Mm -hmm. of the dog. So the behaviors fade away because they're no, no longer necessary. And they can be more relaxed and confident knowing that they've got Mom and dad to take care of them. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And and you'll see their their full personality come out a lot of times because they've been so busy being on guard sure. all the time. Yeah, it's really incredible to watch. What has been your most difficult case so far? Hmm. You know what? I I would actually say um I mean there there are individual difficulties but one of the, <laughs> I would say the most difficult case is actually the humans, not the dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hear that echoed from almost every trainer I talk uh-huh, to. Yeah. Uh-huh. And behaviorist. It's yeah. The people, not the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and um, you know, some people are, re- the, the challenging thing is when you go into um, a situation where there's a family and they're kind of divided on whether they want to do this method or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's actually a method, um, like I said, there's there's four general areas where um, leadership is communicated, and they have to all be done all the time together in order for it to work. Because some dogs will um, will very willingly give up the job of leader, okay. and some dogs take a lot of convincing. Mm-hmm. So everything has to be done consistently all the time, so they don't see any chinks in the armor and assume that they're going to have to take over the job again. Okay, okay. Now let's say you have a dog who 
barks ferociously at everybody who comes to the door. Mm-hmm. What's that's a real common problem. Mm-hmm. What's your recommendation for that? Well, the um, I mean, the reason for the barking, of course, the dog is responsible for the pack. So the barking, um, you know, typically is a protection thing. It's to keep the the threats at bay, um, and along with the the protection mode and taking care of the pack. I mean, there's a lot, like you said a little bit ago, it's an overwhelming job, lots of responsibility. So there's also a lot of fear in there mm-hmm. on the part of the dog. Um, but in order to address the barking problem itself, and like I said, all all four of these things have to happen at the same time. And the behavior changes take place in the way we feed our dogs, the way that we reunite with them after a separation the way that we react to perceived danger, which is where the barking comes in a lot of times, mm-hmm. and then the way we interact with them on the hunt or mm-hmm. their walk. Mm-hmm. And um, with the barking, um, in addition to everything else, um, oftentimes it, it's always good to, you know, when the dog barks, acknowledge it somehow. Thank you, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, even as a subordinate, the dog has a really important job. And part of that job is to communicate to the alpha, hey, I think something's going on. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, if the alpha is trusted, then the subordinate will move on and let the leader take mm-hmm. over. So it's always good to acknowledge the dog when it barks. And in some cases, that's all it takes mm-hmm. because they were just trying to alert you. Mm-hmm. Um if that doesn't work, they bark, you say thank you, it doesn't work, go and take a look at what at the direction that they're barking. And sometimes that will work too. Okay, the leader got up, took a look at it, everything's okay. If not, then the next thing to do is, is isolate. So take them to another room quietly, no eye contact with them, don't say anything to them, no scolding or anything. Take them to another room and shut the door until they stop barking. Bring them back out and do that as many times as necessary, and eventually they'll start to see this barking thing isn't getting me anywhere but in the other room. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll stop. Okay. Um, that so makes that's, sense. Yeah. Okay. What are some other routine problems that you have to help with? You know, the biggest complaint that I've received so far is dogs pulling on the leash. Oh, okay. Yeah, and... um and that can be a real problem when you have a 100-pound dog. <laughs> right, right, or several dogs, yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's the same thing. The dog, as the responsible leader, has to get there first, has to lead the hunt, has to make sure that the rest of the pack is safe. So they get there first to, to scope everything out. And um, well, it's hard to do when you're on a leash. Right, right. And there's um, also... You know, aggression with other dogs that, that people have problems with when they're walking their dogs. And, mm-hmm. and the leash aggression issue um, comes in large part from the the way that our, that our dogs that will respond to danger, to a potential threat, is um, like humans. You know, the first, first idea is going to be flight. Mm-hmm. Get the heck out so nobody gets hurt. Then it's going to be freeze, so hopefully nothing happens. Fight is the last one. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to get into a fight. No dog wants to get into a fight because it can get injured also. But when you have a dog on the leash, the first option, flight, 
has been taken away. Mm-hmm. So there's more fear going on when they're on a leash with other dogs. That's why a lot of times you'll see people take their dog off the leash and the mm-hmm. behavior improves. Right. Although there's a lot of other risks with sure, that, obviously. Sure. Mm-hmm. But um, Well, how do you walk in front of a dog when you're holding a leash? Because dogs almost always will try and walk ahead mm-hmm. of you no matter mm-hmm. what. How mm-hmm. do you keep it at your side or slightly behind mm-hmm. you? Well, um, a couple things I'll say about that. First of all, if if the dog really respects you as the leader, it can it can be wherever it wants to. It doesn't matter if it's up ahead of you, to the side of you, whatever, as long as it's not pulling and trying to lead, and as long as you've got guaranteed recall mm-hmm. by that point. Um, the 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 thing that I tell people always in a, in a consultation is actually stop walking your dog, really? which goes is contrary to everything else you're going to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to walk your dog, but of the four areas I told you about, the first three need to be in place, good and solid, before you go out on the walk. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of ways, you know, when we're taking our dogs for a walk and they're getting better at pulling. And, okay, they pulled it a little bit, but I'm just going to kind of ignore it, pretend I didn't know it was happening. Mm-hmm. The dogs will pick up on every every little micro-episode of that, and it will undermine any of the other work that you've done. Okay. So I recommend. And like Jan Fennell says, you know, she's never seen a wolf in the wild just take itself for a walk. Mm-hmm. So our dogs will be fine if they're not out walking all the time. Okay. Now, you do personal consultations. How would somebody get a hold of you if they wanted you to come check out their dog situation and get a little advice? Well, they can take a look at my website, mm-hmm. which is www.doglistenerofsocal.com. Okay. And it has a bit more information about what I do on there. Um, my phone number is 310-455-7506. They okay. can give me a call there. Or I also have email, which is doglistenerofsocal at yahoo.com. Okay, and are you mostly in the Los Angeles area, or do you go into Orange County? Or I actually will, will travel anywhere. I'm the only dog listener in Southern California oh, right now, wow. okay. so I will go wherever I'm needed. Lisa, this sounds just fascinating, and it was a pleasure to have you here today to talk about it. It's time now for our last break, but don't go away, because when we return, it will be time for Pet Place News and Events. Coming right up on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. On Thursday, November 25th, come celebrate Thanksgiving at Tivoli Terrace, located at 650 Laguna Canyon Road in Laguna Beach. This special event will benefit one of my favorite organizations, RUF. In addition to rescuing unwanted furry friends, this organization helps pay for veterinary bills for folks who can't pay themselves and provides pet food to needy families who have four-legged family members. Please call for reservations, 949-340-2239. It's just $35 prepaid per adult and $40 at the door, and kids 12 and under are just $15. Cash, check, or credit card will be accepted at the door. It's a beautiful way to celebrate Thanksgiving and help out the less fortunate. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place 
here on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.